Let's invite our speaker this morning. Lord Jesus, you have sent your spirit of God to speak to us, but sometimes we can't hear. So I pray that you would break the callousness around our hearts, Lord, that you would open our ears, open our hearts. Show us wonderful things out of your word. If there's anybody here who's struggling with any pain or personal turmoil, I pray that they would, uh, they would be able to concentrate to receive from you the answers to life. I pray for the violence in our city. I pray for those who are hating each other or desiring to hate. I pray for those who are acting out of selfishness or out of abusive power. Lord God, I pray that the, the grace of God would just blanket our city and that you would give us peace. I pray for Iraq and Iran. I pray for other nations that are in turmoil right now, Lord God. And I pray that you would reach out in your compassion. We know it's the last days and we, we're expecting this. We are not surprised. However, we have an advocate with the Father. We have uh, a say in, in heaven. And so we use that voice and we ask, Lord, for you to uh, dispense peace and mercy on this land. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. You know what? Uh, sometimes you don't get thanked for being part of this church. And sometimes when you've been long enough, like you, who've been here since you were a fetus. Um, you don't get thanked for actually being part of the family. And I want to thank you. I want to begin this year by thanking you. Not by asking you for anything, but by thanking you. Thanking you for being part of Covenant Life. Thank you for thanking you for being part of our lives and for committing and for being available. And, uh, and for the things you give, for the way you serve, for the way you make yourself available. I want to thank you for that. I wish I could give you a cup or something, you know, like a trophy or a medal. But Jesus will give you something much better later. But in the meantime, on his behalf, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in this coming year, what you're going to do. And all your love for the way you look after people, for the way you, you care for people. We're a family that loves God and wants to love like Jesus. And we have a vision. We can see where we're going. We have something we're looking forward to. We know where we're going. And every year, we kind of sharpen that vision. We sharpen our focus, one or two aspects of it, and in our walk with God, and we, and we focus on that, right? So you know what all you want to do with our vision, but every year you do something specific where you sharpen that specific area of your life. Like for instance, perhaps this coming year you want to focus on your health, right? Or you want to focus on getting out of debt, or you want to focus on developing a habit, or getting into reading, or something like that, right? You, you take certain areas of your life, you know, like I'm already doing well there, I want to sharpen it. I want to sharpen, I want to get better at it. So as we look at our vision, I want to explain the vision, but also explain where we want to really sharpen our uh, focus. And that today, to say it in one line, is going to be on the individual health of every sheep. I repeat, our focus this year is going to be on the individual spiritual health of every sheep. Last year, the focus was on small groups, home groups, and setting up uh, uh, silos of faith, uh, communities of faith. Uh, in, the, in the different parts of the city. We wanted you to be part of a home group, and we, we, we succeeded to a certain, certain degree. But this year, I want to focus on you being alone. I imagine the situation where you left the country, left the city, and you were all on your own. Like some of you are online, and you, you, know, you were with us at maybe at some point in time. Uh, yeah. And when you go away, perhaps you won't have the same fellowship, the same support, the same kind of love and affection, or perhaps the same family where you will be, right? I want to be sure, as, the, as your pastor and as God's servant, I want to be sure that you will be strong. 
you will be strong. Sometimes I think the giving is not good enough. Sometimes I think the involvement is not good enough. Sometimes I think that the prayer and worship in our church is not good enough. I can keep grumbling about how things are not good enough, but what I need to do is go back to the, to the, to the foundation and ask, is every single person enjoying their personal walk with God? I repeat, is every single sheep, every single member enjoying their personal walk with God. If they and Jesus, if that person and Jesus were all alone, there was no church, nothing, would they have a vibrant worship relationship with Christ? And that is called discipleship. That is called getting every sheep onto the, to the shoulders of the Savior and, and, and introducing them to Jesus. Making sure that they're one on one with Christ. Now, if that's in place and every brick is solid, then the wall will be solid, then the building will be solid, then the edifice will be perfect. We grow with every single brick, every single cell being absolutely strong. So my focus this year is going to be on the individual health of every believer, every man, every woman right and as we focus on that i want us to uh, i want us to be in partnership i want to i want us to be on the same page uh, as we move forward here through this week through this year we want to reach people with the love of christ we want to open those doors to hurting people difficult pe- uh, difficult people uh, uh, people who need to reconcile with each other with god we want to see healing happen we want to see physical emotional healing happen uh, freedom journey. I'm going to get that group started again. This by the end of this month, we're going to start new services in in Vasantkunj. We're going to start a second service here. We want to open doors and create opportunities for people to come, for relatives, loved ones to come. There are hurting people. There are people who are carrying anger. You know what it's like to carry anger for so many years? It's like carrying a pot of coals that are just hot and burning, and you're carrying it, and as long as it's not spilling over, you're okay, but some time or the other, you're going to trip. You're going to trip. And what about people who have just been hurt, people who have been abused, people who are struggling? There's incest, there is, there is all kinds, there's, there's, there's a sexual abuse, there's verbal abuse, there's screaming and shouting, and the, everything thrown at you. So when you come to the presence of God, when you come to the family, we need to be able to be a community and a place of healing. I want to see faces from every nation, from every state, from every language fill this place. So the common factor is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see many men stand with me and say, Pastor Jeremy, what can I do to stand with you in the vision? What can I take up from you? What can I do as my part in this? We want to be a family where people want to belong, want to come running to, where people don't want to leave. We want to be a family where even when people leave and go away geographically, we don't forget about them just because they don't attend church every Sunday. Are you feeling my heart here? Yeah? We want to be a family. We don't want to be a church that, that people just attend. So I want to move people, focus on moving people from a place of complacency or Sunday Christianity or just nominal Christianity to a place of deep devotion to Christ. And in order to do that, we need to go back to some basics. Okay, We need to go back to some basics. Here's a, a, a verse of scripture that we have talked about in the recent past. For the love of Christ controls us, compels us, drives us, different words, different versions. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, right? <coughs> and he died for all that those who live might, say it, no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. 
When you cease to live for yourself and you live for Him, when your life is driven by Him, compelled by Him, propelled by Him, then you have become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's our mission statement. Covenant life is a community of faith that is committed to developing mature and connected disciples of Jesus Christ. Can we read that together please? Covenant life is a community of faith that is committed to developing mature and connected disciples of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. Mature, this way. Connected, this way. Don't say, no, no, I just want community. I just want people. I, I, don't, I don't want to talk to God. It's, it's through. Uh-uh. Don't say, no, no, just me and Jesus. I don't want to deal with anybody else or their mess. It's both. It's both. So the two questions that I need to ask myself as I move into 2020 is this. Who is my master? And what is my mission? Who is my master? And what is my mission? Something is going to propel my life. Someone is going to command my life. Someone is going to tell me what to do. And I decide that it's going to be Jesus. You get that? I decide that it's going to be Jesus. Who is my master? And number two, what is my mission? Now, if I have a master, I can't have a mission. If I have a master, he will have a mission. But then his mission must be my mission. His mission must become my mission. So those are the two questions I want to ask myself. Question number one, what is, who is my master? Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, 10 and 11 says this. Therefore God, I love those two words. Therefore God. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Who? Jesus. And gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore God, we begin with God. In the beginning, God, right? We begin with God. And God's will, God's sovereign will is that Jesus who listened to him, obeyed him and gave his life for you is now rewarded by being exalted to the highest place so that he has the highest seat of authority and the highest name. So every other name will be subject to this name. And every other authority will be subject to this authority. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? Again, I'm going to say it until the lights come on. God has decided. God decided. God has decided that every political party, every king, every noble, every dictator, every seat of authority, every army is going to bow to Christ. Not yet, but it's happened already. It's been declared, but it hasn't yet happened in time. It will happen. So God has decided that that is it. God has decided that Jesus Christ is going to be master. And then he asks you to step in line with his plan. He asks you to fall in line with his plan. So you and I understand the will of God and we come to terms with Christ being our master, not because we want him to be, but because he already is. And it makes sense for us to align ourselves to him. Are you getting this? We don't make Jesus our master. These are the kind of language that words and terminology that has been used in churches and pastors and teaching. All We don't make Jesus our savior. We don't make Jesus our master. He is. You and I have the privilege 
of coming to terms with that and coming into the flow of God's blessing by submitting to him. Everything else is going to submit anyway. Every knee and every tongue will confess. It's going to happen. But when it happens, you would have had the privilege of being in line with God's will all through. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall, shall confess. Who is my master? Well, God decided that it's going to be Jesus. What is my mission? The well, question is, what is his mission? What is my mission? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 21. It's a long passage of scripture, but I'm going to come back to it. Don't worry if you don't pick up everything. Not that I have already obtained all this and have already arrived at my goal. Paul's talking to the Philippian church. He says, but I press on. I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ got a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold. It's still going to happen. I'm on my way. But one thing I do. But one thing I Underline that. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has commanded me. So my first question is, Paul, that's not one thing. <laughs> and then Paul replies, no, that is one thing. You can't do any of those things without doing the others. Forgetting who I am, how cute I am, what has happened, all the compliments. Forgetting that I messed up, forgetting what people have done to me, forgetting what. Then he takes two words from two different angles, which is actually the same thing, so I'm going to just say press on. So he says forget, and then he says straining toward ahead, or pressing on toward the goal, same thing. So we'll go with press. And the third thing he says, win. I like that word. He says win. To win the prize for which God has called me. Did you know that? Did you know that God has called you to win a prize? And what have we learned about God when God wants something? He gets it. So the goal of your life is going to be a prize. The goal of your life is going to be a prize. You are a winner and you are a winner within Christ. But forgetting, pressing on, winning. Okay, verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Okay, so if you're mature spiritually, this is how you're going to think. Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You live like that, watch other people who live like that. You live like that, think like other people who think like that. Hang out with people who think this way. Verse 15, all of us who are mature take such a view on things. Unfortunately, there are also people who are like this. Look at it. Many live as enemies of ooh. If I didn't have your attention, give it to me now. So you have choice of two, two fellowships. You have the fellowship of those who think such, who think like this, right? Forgetting, pressing on, winning. Forgetting, pressing on, winning. And then there are those who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's talking about believers. He's talking about disciples who live as enemies of the cross. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers. Give me a hint, Paul. What do you mean by enemies of the cross? How do you live like an enemy of the cross? What does that mean? Well, verse 19, four hints. Number one, their destiny is destruction. Ooh. Their destiny is 
They make life choices that at, uh, end up destroying themselves, destroying their relationships, destroying their own goals, destroying God's purposes for their life. They make life decisions. They get into relationships. They choose priorities. They choose steps. They choose dis- make decisions that actually are self-destructive and are purpose-destructive. Give me a second hint. Second hint. Their God, small g, is their stomach. Don't look at me. I'm working on it. Number three, their glory is their shame. Their glory is in their shame. Shame means naked. The more naked they are, the more glorious they think they are. So what is shameful, they put it out as glory. So they're trying to accept it. Accept this is beautiful. No, you're not. You're naked. Put something on. Number four, their mind is set on earthly things. There's your, there's your hint. There's your answer. What is it like to live as an enemy of the cross? There you have it. But, circle but, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yay. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like him. Let's get started. What do we want? Vision for this church, vision for 2020. Every man for the master and his mission. Every man for the master and his, by the way, man means everybody, man, woman, everybody. Every man for the, one, one more time with me. Every man for the master and his mission. This means three things. Let me go through this. Number one, this means private purity. This means personal devotion. And this means public service. This means private purity, personal devotion, public service. What does it mean for every single person to be for the master and for his mission? It means private purity, personal devotion, and public services. Few verses on three of these things. Let's go on. Private purity means all of Jesus. Private purity means all of Jesus, none of me. That's what purity means. It doesn't mean sinlessness. It means completely sanctified for a specific use. Verse, uh, uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you make plans for the flesh? Do you make plans to satisfy the, the, the appetite of the flesh? Do you make opportunity? The old King James Version says occasion for the flesh. Do we make that? Am I thinking about that? How can I? Don't do that. Don't do that. Starve it. Kill it. Give spiritual life. Give your spirit the, uh, the priority. 2 Timothy 2.20. In a large house, there are utensils. Yes? No? Yes. Not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. So you have different types of utensils in your house. Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Everybody with me? Lots of things. Utensils in the house. Some are made specially. Gold and silver. Some are cheaply made. And some are made for special purposes. And some are made for common purposes. Which one do you want to be? Special. Okay. It's okay. I'm special. Yes, we all want to be used for special purposes. It's okay. Come on. Embrace that. Right. 
But here's what you got to do if you want God to use you. Here's what you got to do. Those who cleanse themselves, purity, personal purity, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will become, number one, instruments of special purposes. So what does God use? Clean instruments. You know, I get very annoyed. I have one coffee cup in my home. It's just, it's just it's a nice one. It's a big one. And in the morning I go over there and if it's not clean. <laughs> some for, some instruments for special purposes. Those who cleanse themselves, number one. Number two will be instruments for special purposes. Number three will be made holy. And number four will be useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Let's do that again. You want God to use you as a utensil for his work. You want God to use you as an instrument for his good work. How does that happen? Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose. What do they have to do? They have to be made holy. They have to be useful for the master and they have to be prepared to do any good work. You know why God can't use you? Do you know why many times God didn't use you the last year? Not because you're not good enough. Not because you're not, uh, you're not valuable enough. Not because he doesn't love you enough. Because you're not available. You're too busy. I don't mean job busy. I mean busy feeling sorry for yourself. How are you going to help somebody else, care for somebody else, when you're feeling sorry for yourself? How is God going to use you when you're unclean with selfish thoughts? How is God going to use you when you are distracted? Your mind is on something else. How can God use you to bring people to Him when you are trying to get yourself to somebody else? How does God get your attention? How does God use you when you're already half full with something else. Do you do that? Do you take a utensil in the kitchen that is already half full with old cold chai and then say, let me just top it up with some hot fresh tea? Do you do that? You don't do that. Why should God do that? When God wants you, He picks you up and He sees, Safa, is it available? Then He makes it holy and He uses it for every good purpose. The goal is to be available. The goal is to be clean and available. And you have to understand what the enemies to that availability is. The enemies to that availability isn't necessarily sin. You think, oh, if I, as long as I'm not doing any sin, I'm right with God. No, you may be right with God, but you're still not useful. And this year is going to be a year of usefulness. We want God to, to, to look at us and see us as always ready, always clean, always available. I wake up in the morning and I go to the coffee section that we have in our kitchen. And, and if all the cups are clean and ready and available, it's such joy to go after my one cup over there. And I take it. And it's all clean and nice. But the worst thing on a winter morning, especially Sunday early morning, is to wake up in the morning and find there is no cups, especially mine. And then I have to go to the sink and in the cold minus 20 degrees in my house, I have to wash that in cold water. Do you feel my pain? <laughs> Come on. You understand what God wants. 
God wants to use you. He thinks there's a prize coming up ahead for you to... He wants to give you what he has in store for you. So our citizenship is in heaven. And God is using us for that purpose. 2 Timothy 2.20 In a large house there are articles, gold and silver, wood and clay, special purposes, common use, God wants you for special purposes. Our citizenship is in heaven. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. By the way, that's a contradiction in terms, living and sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Hang on, Paul. How is my body a spiritual worship? How does my physical body, my earthly body, my flesh and blood body become a spiritual worship? Easy. You do this by not being conformed to this world that is gratifying the flesh, feeding the flesh, pampering the flesh, dressing the flesh, but by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when you pour the word of God into your mind, your body becomes a spiritual place. Nah, the lights didn't come on. One side you're saying you want God to use you. On the other side, you're saying you want to be physically happy, physically satisfied. The vessel needs to remain empty for the word of God to renew your mind so that he can use you. I know you're tired and the year has just begun. And there's only 10 minutes left. But if you're going to take this year seriously... And if I'm going to coach you through this year in your spiritual life, you have to decide who is your master and what is your mission. If you don't get on board with me on that, I can't do anything about it. I can't pamper and pamper and cajole, cajole and send stinkers of WhatsApp messages and, you know, and guilt trip you and then, you know, I, no, I don't want to do that. I want for us to be a church where everybody is already crazy about Christ, already available. The question is, okay, now that we are already unavailable, what can we do? And that's where I come in. That's why I say, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do that. Private purity. Private purity. Question, uh, decision number one. Write it down. I will make the word of God a non-negotiable discipline and diet in my daily life. I will make the word of God a non-negotiable discipline and diet in my daily life. I'm going to take the Bible this year and I'm going to start eating it like food. I'm going to understand it's not to open it, find a verse, be so inspired and then be thinking about that. Oh, what a wonderful... No, it doesn't work like that. When you eat dal and rice, you're not thinking about it the whole day. When you have vegetables, you're not contemplating and meditating on... Oh, what that was... was you know, unless you threw in a, you know, two spoons of ghee or something like that. When you eat food, you just expect it to do its... You eat to live. So when you eat the word of God, you don't eat the word of God thinking and expecting to enjoy every bite. It's not going to be enjoyable. It's a physical body wanting a spiritual dominance through the renewing of the mind. Physical body, spiritual dominance, renewing of the mind. Lord, cleanse my heart, cleanse my mind. So as the word of God goes into you, as you read and read and read... The word of God will do its work. It will cleanse you, make you holy, and prepare you for every good work. And you'll find yourself being used by God. You'll find yourself. You need to take, make this decision. Make the decision. Make the decision. I will make the word of God a non-negotiable discipline, a diet in my life. You know there's an app called YouVersion. 
It's downloaded and millions and millions of people across the world are using it. It has fantastic plans. It has all kinds of plans. It has four-week, five-week plans. It has a whole year plan. Read the Bible forwards, read the Bible backwards. It's got everything. Okay? And you can have 250 friends on it as well, like Facebook. Only, only this is the faith book. Right? And you can, you can choose the plan. It will remind you like a mother. It will nag you. And it will tell you, and every day of this year, you can take the word of God into your head. It gives you two, three passages. You can choose a plan. And every day, you can let the word of God go. It even has audio. It's my friend. I click on audio. And even while I get distracted, while my mind goes all over the place, that guy is just, you know, belting it out to me. And the Hittites went and they smashed the Ammonites. And the Ammonites then went to lunch with the Gergesites. And, you know, they are just like, it's because otherwise I start working through his words, you get bored. You get bored. And then somewhere in the middle, between the Gergeshites and the Samsonites, <laughs> you see, David inquired of the Lord. David didn't inquire of the Lord. Hmm. David didn't inquire of the Lord, got thrashed, came back. David inquired of the Lord, went and slam jammed. And you're like, hmm. And there, in that one or two verses, in between the Gergeshites and the Samsonites, <coughs> personal devotion. All of Jesus, then all for Jesus. But whatever was gained to me, Paul says, I now consider loss, that I may gain Christ. Do you love Jesus enough to want him, more of him, all of him? Philippians 3.12 says, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of Christ. Is your career more valuable than Christ himself? Is your, is your competence and your, you know, the, the, your competition more valuable than Christ himself? Is there some person in your life that's more valuable than Christ himself? You've got to come to terms with what is personal devotion. Who is my master and what is my mission. Jesus was pretty serious about this. He said in Luke chapter 9 verse 61 and 62, he says, one guy came to him and said, I follow you, but let me first go home, say farewell, say bye-bye to mommy, daddy, you know, my kid needs to grow up, send him to college, then I'll come and I'll follow you. Jesus said, don't bother. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, anybody can have faith in Jesus, but not everybody's fit for Jesus. Anybody can have faith in Jesus, but not everybody's fit for Jesus. And fitness is a discipleship thing. It's a discipline thing. Fitness. Don't look at me. Okay? So write down this next commitment. I will make time for personal prayer and praise every day of my life. Don't wait for Sunday morning. Don't wait for the worship team. We keep complaining about the fact that there's not enough worship in our church. People don't respond. People don't physically respond. People don't emotionally respond. People don't get excited. It takes so long to get everybody to get into worship. During the time you should see the camera. Have you seen the, uh, the Christmas, have you seen the Christmas uh, video? Oh Lord have mercy on my soul. Have you seen the people? They, are like, they, they, they look like you don't know what is going on in front. You know, I just wanted to tell them it's worship. It doesn't matter what's going on in front. Have you worshipped the whole week? Are you crazy about Christ? Have you been developing an affection for Christ? When are you not affectionate about Christ? When there is some other affection in your life. Because we are 
we are designed for faithfulness. We are designed for faithfulness. So if you're having an affair with somebody else, you can't really love your wife. Honestly. You're designed for faithfulness. You can't equally give attention to two things. And something is going to corrode from within you and destroy you from within you. You're designed for faithfulness. And if Jesus is not your one and only affection, it's probably because there's something else. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Pull the plug on whatever that is. And it could also be a crush on yourself. (laughs) People don't take that seriously because it's socially acceptable. It could be some of the greatest love stories. <laughs> I will make time for personal prayer and praise every day of my life. I'm going to open the word and I'm going to read and I'm going to spend time telling Christ that I, I love him. I'm going to spend time telling him that I want him. And I'm going to make it happen until it's real. Personal devotion. Lastly, public service. All like Jesus. All of Jesus, all for Jesus, and all like Jesus. I want to serve like Christ. I want to be available like Christ. Jesus tells us the story of how, the Bible tells the story of how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, essentially he was saying, if I am your master and I am serving you, you ought also to serve one another. And he says, if you know these things, blessed are they if you do them. Do them. Do them. That's mission. That's mission. Write down your third uh, uh, determination, your third commitment for this year. I will will embrace the mission Christ has for my daily life. Okay, let's go to the top. Number one, I'm going to do what? I'm going to develop a diet of the word of God into my life. There's version. There's BibleGateway.com. There's my app that has Bible reading. There is the Gideon's app that has Bible reading. There's the Bible for a novel idea. Right? You get two Bibles, okay? And make them feel jealous of each other by reading one more than the other. <laughs> Trick yourself into the whole thing. But find a friend. Do it. I, I, would say, I would say if you struggle with this personal devotion thing, do it along with your wife or your husband. Do it along with a friend. Even a brother or a sister. Say, let's read the word together. And let's, let's spend time in the word together. So that every individual... Every man, every woman, every family is opening the Bible every day this year. Are you with me? Are you on board with me? Is every family, every home going to open the Bible every day? Is the word of God going to be spoken out? When the word of God is read out loudly and spoken out loudly, Satan shudders at the word of God. He can't be bothered with your word. You could say what you like. Even your praise, he can't be bothered about. He'll be, wow, Grammy. But when you read the word out loud, he runs out the back door. And you've got to believe what the word of God does in your home. It cleanses, it rejoices, it renews, it reconciles the word of God in our home. Let's commit, husbands and wives, let's read the word together. Mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, families together, read the word together. Read the word individually, read the word a lot. Diet and develop a habit. Number two, I will make time for prayer and for praise. Don't come to Sunday morning service and expect the worship team to wake you up. This is not a resurrection service. 
This is a service where resurrected people come to worship the resurrected Christ. So the worship team owes you nothing. Can I say that again? The worship team owes you nothing. They are having their own problems. They also came by auto. <laughs> so they come here. They are trying to work through. The string is not working. This is not working. This speaker is not. And they are trying to make it the best for you. And you come and say. <laughs> you know. And that whole look of. I don't care. God could have. You know. Be alive or dead, I don't... No, 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 no. We are going to be a people who look like we're in love. At least fake it. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. Right? So, when we create that atmosphere, when we create a desire and a willingness, I will sing in the dark. I will sing even when the darkest times... We we sing those songs. Yeah, let's do that. Number two, number three, I will find the mission for Christ's daily life. Every day God has a mission for you. Every day God has an agenda for you. Find that out and get into it. He should have the first say in your life. So let's go over those three things again. Number one, private purity. That means, what do I need to pull the plug on? What relationship, what priority, what, what affection, what, what in my life do I need to get rid of for private purity? Number three, personal devotion. What is a competing affection in my life? A person who's taking my attention, who's taking all my affection. What is personal devotion. Number three, public service. What will be the usefulness of my life? How am I going to be useful? How am I going to be useful? Okay? One of the ways you can be useful, I won't take long on this, but this is just, you could partner with me on this. One of the ways you can partner with me, because you are shy to tell your friends, okay? You're shy to give the gospel. You don't know how to connect the Samsonites with the with the, you know, St. Thomas and all of those guys. And I understand, you don't have your theology all sorted. But a simple way you could come on board with me is this. See, we are a media church, okay? We've got a massive camera right in the middle over there. We are a media church. And we put the word out and we send it out, right? Here's what you can do. Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, they work on something known as an algorithm. I'm not going to give you a lesson on algorithm because I can't even spell it. Okay? <laughs> But here's what it is. An algorithm works on essentially seeing what is already active and then it pushes it further. Did I get that right? All right. So if a a video gets likes immediately as it goes up, if it gets some likes, not because it's likable, but because it just gets attention. And if there's even more than that comments, as soon as there's likes and comments, If it had gone to 100 people, the algorithm pushes that video to 200 people or to 2,000 people. So the algorithm can work for the gospel. Right? The algorithm can work for the gospel. No video goes out and becomes public and into millions simply because it's fantastic. You got to watch this. It's amazing. It goes out because a few people take an interest. They like it or like it and then they comment on it. And especially when you reply to a comment... Then the algorithm picks up that there's actual traffic on this. And all of us are on social media. Work with me on this. Okay? We could be a team to get the word out. Now, when I preach, it's videoed. When it's videoed, it's clipped into small parts so that it can go out in smaller sections on Instagram and all over the place. The media team does a fantastic job with this. One thing you can partner with me on this, the together as a congregation, you can help me send that same thing out further simply by using the power of the algorithm. We are CL, right? Okay? 
So CLR is comment, like, and reply to a comment. Right? So the moment there are several comments, I, there's, there's one of the songs that I sang and they, they clipped a song and stuff like that. Only Jonathan Benjamin has liked it. <laughs> has commented on it. And then another soul from don't know where, I don't know, I've never met that person. So two people on the face of the earth has liked it. So what you and I do is, oh, we like it. We tell one person that thing and we send them the link. But that doesn't help the algorithm. Okay, algorithm didn't know that you liked it. So here's what I ask you to do. As a partnership, when we send out the gospel, we send out a, 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 a graphic of a verse of scripture or something that's going to happen, or Sunday morning, or message, or a question about, would you like to know that every time we're sending out something, we're thinking, how can we get people? How can we bring people? How can we get the word out? And here, here's, a, here's a thought, here's a sentence, here's an encouragement, and we are constantly putting it out. The least you could do in partnership with me in 2020 is as soon as a video comes, first of all, because you've clicked the bell button, you'll get the notification. When you get the notification, like, comment, and respond to somebody else's comment. So you comment, I like it, and I respond to your comment. That's all I'm asking you to do. Three seconds of your life. <laughs> and it's a partnership. Please know that it's a partnership. And as soon as we do it, and the key thing is that within the first one hour, two hours, when something is released, just like it, comment on it, and respond to somebody else's, comment on it. And you don't have to be fake. Be, be real. You can say something. And you don't have to compliment me. And I'm not looking for likes. I don't care. But what do I want? What do I care about? Get the gospel out. Get the gospel out. Get the gospel out. And if newspaper was it, we'd send the, the word into more newspapers and to more things. If it was uh, SMS, we'd send the SMS out to more people and say forward, forward, forward. When it comes to social media, it works on algorithm. I need your help. I'm just trying to get the word out to everybody. And you know that my preaching, my messages, my sermons, to some it's, water, to some it's pretty watered down and, and you know, very simple and touchy-feely. But for a lot of hurting people, that's kind of what they need to hear. You know? They, some people need a doctor, but some people need a mother. Some people need a family rather than just a foster home or a shelter. People are looking for, and we've got the gospel going on. So let's work with it. Will you be with me on that? Yeah? So personally, each one of you in the word, get an app, get a friend, get a husband. <laughs> and let's get into the word. Personal, private purity, personal devotion, public service. Will you stand with me, please? I want God to use us this year. I want God to have... Every one of you in ministry, to, for every one of you to know the mission. Who's my master? What is my mission? Each one of you involved in good works. Not just good works, but God works. Good works is human, humanitarian. God works is when God is at work with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, say something to God. I know you're tired, I know it's been a long sermon, but say something to God. Pick one of the three. Say, Lord, I need to work on this. Be encouraged today. There's no guilt. The blood of Christ has covered us. There's, there's no condemnation. If there is guilt, it should result in repentance and running back to Christ. 
The Lord loves us. The Lord wants to use us. He wants to use our home, our family, our wallets, our cars, our property. He wants to use it. And when God uses something, it becomes blessed. And when something is blessed, it becomes protected. When something is protected, it becomes available for further use. Lord, we want that. We want every boy and girl, every man and woman in covenant life, enthusiastically surrendered to you. (coughs) Loving on you, Lord. Seeking you, desiring you with a spiritual hunger. The only way the, the physical hunger will be overcome by the spiritual hunger is by the renewing of the mind. Oh God, would you give us a hunger for the word? Because quite frankly, we find it quite boring. It's hard to read through the Old Testament. It's hard to make connections in the New Testament. Theology is difficult. Not everything relates to our lives. But Lord, we need to know your word because your your word is your heart. And your heart is you. And to love you is to take seriously your word. So we need to get over ourselves Stop expecting to be entertained. Stop expecting to be inspired. And look for instruction. Instructions for life. That hunger, only you can give. So in the name of Jesus, while we all stand in your presence, as a servant of God, I ask you that you pour out your spirit on us, your presence on us, your word on us, your favor on us, and give us a hunger. I don't ask for miracles. I don't ask for wealth. I don't ask for success. I don't ask for for fame. I ask for hunger. For every man here and every woman here, I ask for hunger. Would you make every man and woman here hungry for you? We don't have an appetite. We don't. We want. We want more. And with a growing appetite, we'll have a growing love for you. This is my prayer. And I know it's in your will. So I'm waiting on you, God. I'm waiting on you. This year, no complacency. We will not be volunteers. We will be servants of the King of Kings. We will listen to your high command and we will be available. We will remain clean and undistracted so that when you need us, you will use us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Through this whole year, Lord, through this day, through this week. In Jesus' name I pray.